Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Run Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray. Today we're talking about the book Angela and Diabola by Lynn Reed Banks. A transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Sleepy. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah you, you, you're quite a constitutionally yeah. sleepy sort of person. I am. I am. Yeah, I have been referred to as a dormouse before. Um, Is that the dormouse from Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just asleep in a teapot. That's um, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> if you if you ever want to imagine me, listeners, just imagine a dormouse sleepily. Um, napping in a teapot um (laughs) (laughs) and how about you adam what uh character from alice in wonderland would you uh say Uh, probably the 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 white rabbit but hopefully just Mm. hustling and bustling trying to get lesson plans done rather than the kind of scissor wielding white rabbit in jan frankmeyer's stop-motion animated version who cuts off heads with scissors I don't associate uh, meant... cutting off heads with scissors with you. Um, Thank I have, you. I've known you a while. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I associate that character with my friend Peter because <laughs> when I showed him that film in sixth form, he, he did chase after me with scissors, pretending <laughs> to be the white rabbit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and we're talking about uh, a book with a similarly <laughs> diabolical... Uh, maniacal behaviour. Yeah, this is Angela and Diabola, which is the pronunciation that I'm going with. Um, on just yeah, because that's that's how I read it. Um, by uh, Lynn Reed Banks from 1997. Um, uh, Lynn Reed Banks' most most famous children books were the Indian in the Cupboard series. Um, that got adapted into a film that I never saw, but I did see the trailer. Um, often because it was on one of my uh, most watched VHS tapes um, oh. as a kid um, <laughs> I, I, I liked the Indian in the cupboard, I, I kept wanting to call it the Indian in my cupboard when I referred to it this week mm. um, but that's like Polly in my pocket but that that's not right either Why, What? Th- there was definitely some toy that was in my or oh. not just my pocket a, <laughs> a pocket um, um I, yeah, no, I don't know. It might maybe it'll come back, come back to us throughout this, and we'll suddenly yeah. shout. It, it, I want Indian in the cupboard, as cute as can be. Don't you <laughs> want to come play with me? There's definitely about three different things from the '90s that are merging mm. together in my head. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do, and I, I will make clear to any listener who doesn't know the Indian in the cupboard series. Um, it's like a little model of. I guess a stereotypical Indian from cowboy and Indians, like little plastic, I think, play figure mm. who comes to life. Um, yeah. Rather than like an actual full-bodied human who's been locked in a kid's cupboard, which would be a very dark premise mm. for a kid's book. Um, but this is a fun cupboard. And as far as I remember, the uh, the, the toy quite enjoys being locked in the cupboard, I think. I think maybe I'm not sure. I can't remember very much about it, uh, to, to, to be honest. Uh, yeah, um, all I know is that it's a magical cupboard that that brings toys to life. So that's um, yeah. Um, also, also, she wrote "I Houdini," which is one my Ooh. sister liked when she was young. Which 
it's definitely a, a crafty animal book. I think oh. possibly possibly a hamster who's able to escape from oh. things like like Houdini. You know, that does sound vaguely familiar now that you mention <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I had no idea that she wrote um, uh, The Indian in the Cupboard because um, this, this was the book that, of hers that I that I read um, several times. It was on my, oh. one, of my one of my repeat reads. Um, and because, uh, yeah, it came out in 1997 and that was pretty much exactly the right age for, I was about nine or 10. So, um, yeah. Um. <laughs> can, can can you remember where you came across it? Like if it was bought for you or? No idea. No, just um. Yeah, I don't I don't have any memories of acquiring it. Just that I, I. It was just one of the books I had that I enjoyed, but also found unsettling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. yeah, I was going to ask if you found it scary when you were a kid. I mean. I think yeah, it, it, I think I've, I found it. I found it funny, uh, but also uh, definitely had an edge of uh, of disturbing mm. uh, content to it, um, which it does on a reread too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, before we started recording, I I said I felt it was like the League of Gentlemen for kids. Mm. In that it's on that knife edge between being comedy that sometimes tips into horror. Um, and also yeah. it's got these kind of broad, slightly grotesque characters. And and yeah. then it's got slightly, and it's got a mean streak to it that it, it, it sometimes pulls you up short with something that's quite cruel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my copy has a, has a quote on the, on the back that says a worthy successor to Roald Dahl. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see that. Um. Mm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it does have, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting book, an interesting combination of, uh, yeah, there's quite kind of broad, broad characters and kind of quite uh, dark comedy and then kind of theology as well. Um, but um, but the, the the basic plot is that this this young couple have have unexpected twins, and um, the first twin is a is a beautiful placid gurgling baby who delights everyone who sees her, and um, the second is a, a screaming terror who who gives the nurse uh, the delivering nurse a bite on the thumb so severe she nearly bleeds to death. Um, <laughs> and, um, this is a, they call them Jill and Jane. Um, in the in the kind of hope that they can instill order ordinariness into them, um, but um, uh, <laughs> but when it comes to their christening, um, I think I think it's probably worth reading the uh, the, the christening. Aloud, okay. As it's, uh, from from wherever you see fit in that in the chapter. Um, I, I, okay. Well, so the the christening. Of, well, I'll start with the christening of Jill, um, hmm. or that's what the mother wants to call Jill. Um, so the vicar, the vicar says, "I name this child." He began. Then he looked down and saw the baby's face for the first time. Its heavenly blue eyes were looking straight into his. He gasped. For some moments, there was complete silence. Then the vicar did a thing he'd never done before. He clasped the baby to his heart and began to cry. Angela! He sobbed. No, Jill! cried both the parents, but it was too late. He had named the baby Angela, which of course means angel in Latin, which all vicars are supposed to speak fluently. Most of them don't, but this one did. When the hubbub had died down and the two godparents had managed to pry Jill, now Angela, out of the vicar's arms, it was Jane's turn. Reluctantly, Mr. Cuthbertson Jones turned to the other godmother, who stamped her cigarette out on the flagstones, coughed wetly, wiped the palms of her hands down the sides of her dirty old skirt, and grabbed Jane, who was securely swaddled in a shawl so she couldn't use her nails. The tramp lady didn't bother looking at her godchild. 
She just thrust the bundles straight into the arms of the vicar and took another cigarette from behind her ear. The godfather, meanwhile, was furtively swigging from his bottle behind the nearest pillar. The vicar looked like a person who has just opened the most wonderful present he has ever had in his life. And before even getting used to that, it's given another. And what name is to be given to this divine and wondrous creature? He asked with a smile of radiant happiness on his face. J Jemima or, or some, something, said the godmother. Poor Mr. and Mrs. Cuthbertson Jones were getting quite unnerved. Jane! Jane! they shouted, so that everyone in the church jumped. The vicar held the baby as before, looked up to heaven with a seraphic smile, and began. I name this baby! And then he looked down into a pair of glittering little green eyes. This good and kindly man had never been able to believe that anyone could be really bad, let alone a tiny newborn baby. But now he saw for the very first time that he had been wrong. The shock was so awful that he dropped the baby straight into the font, which was an old-fashioned deep one. She made a terrific splash and disappeared under the water. Before anyone could move, she popped straight up again like a cork and let out a shriek of outrage so loud that everyone around the font fell back holding their ears. At the end of this piercing shriek, she had to take in a breath. In the silence while she did this, a single word, like a cry of anguish, pierced the church from end to end. Diabola! The vicar, unfortunately, was also fluent in Greek. Diabola means evil one in Greek. Coming from this good man who had never sworn in his life, this terrible cry and mounted to the worst word he had ever said. But with it, he had named the baby. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the context with that is that uh, Mr. Cuthbertson Jones had had to uh, uh, find some, uh, <laughs> pay some people under a bridge to be, uh, to be Jane, now Diabola's godparents. Um <laughs> <laughs> no one would take up the task. Um, yeah, so uh, the uh, the parents are, uh, despite very much wanting to call their children uh, Jill and Jane, um, now uh, have to accept that the vicar knows best, and uh, <laughs> and they are called Angela and Diabola. Um, so <laughs> we we got somewhere. Some uh, details of uh, Diabola's general activities: um, spitting, punching, throwing things, uh, throttling the cat, throwing the dead cat at her father, um, <laughs> uh, trying to cut off her her sister's uh, her sister's fingers with <laughs> nail scissors. You know, just uh, normal things. Um, yeah, it it, it basically quickly becomes, we need to talk about Diabola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, there's even less subtlety than there was in we need to talk about Kevin, uh, uh, about the fact that she is pure evil. Um, there's there's definitely no doubt about it. Um, mm -hmm. She is a little creature of pure malice and spite. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of went, as they're kind of babies and they get um, uh, toddlers. They, they kind of start keeping them separate because so that uh, Mr. Cuthbertson Jones can uh, can deal with uh, Diabola and and uh, and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. CJ can uh, can look after Angela. But um, this this kind of plan falls apart when uh, they realise that Angela actually loves her sister. Um, and uh, wants to spend time with her, um, despite everything. So, um, so they they uh, they go they go shopping with both the twins, and uh, Diabolo is uh, trussed up in a in a scarf. Um, but uh, kind of they sort of lulled into a false sense of security because she's uh, 
she's surprisingly quiet being next to Angela, but um, they end up leaving her alone for a moment, at which point she uh, uh, disentangles her from the scarf and starts uh, flinging uh, projectiles of frozen fish and chicken at uh, everyone nearby. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> the police end up getting called and um, Mrs. Cuthbert St. Jones ends up being jailed for a month. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so in, the, the, in this period, um, uh, uh, they uh, farm Angela out to the neighbours um, and uh, uh, Mr. CJ is left alone with, with Diabola and and uh, has uh, invented her techniques for managing her, such as lassoing her and putting her in the big cage, <laughs> which is like it says, like, like a tall playpen, only it's a cage with a barred lid made of strong, lightweight metal of the sort they make space rockets out of. Um, at this point, kind of, he, he's becoming kind of convinced that that uh, Diabola is a punishment specifically to him for some unspecified uh, misdeeds. Um, and he ends up calling the vicar again to, um, in desperation to see if they can exorcise uh, Diabola, um, <laughs> which um, she finds very amusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, the vicar, uh, the vicar's a recurring character in this book, and so uh, they become uh, he he sort of it comes drawn into the sort of theological uh, conundrum of these twins of the the fact that one of them is pure evil and one of them is pure good, um, and. Uh, they but they um they kind of find some sort of techniques for managing Diabola um like they they, they realize that the twins kind of need each other in some way and um that Angela can have this kind of mollifying effect on her sister and um and the other thing that helps is that Diabola discovers drawing um so uh when the twins start school and the parents are absolutely convinced that she will be expelled on the first day. Instead, um, we get uh, another <laughs> eccentric background character of um, the headmistress who um, who finds uh, Diabola's drawings of um, someone being uh, electrocuted in the, in the electric chair quite... Uh, avant-garde and, uh, <laughs> and expressive and, uh, and uh, hails her as a genius. <laughs> yeah, I really I, think... I really enjoyed that bit, actually. I'll just, just describe the picture. Yeah. The most horrendous picture lay before her. It showed a big wooden chair with a man in it. He had straps in his arms and legs. On his head he wore a sort of cap with string-like things coming out of it. The man's face wore a very unhappy expression. Diabola was busy drawing in zigzag lines like lightning flashes coming out of him. Diabo! Miss Applebaum cried. Whatever's that? Diabola ignored her. She put the finishing touches to the zigzags and then took a plain pencil from her lap and wrote underneath the picture, Diff in the electric chair! So her spelling is like <laughs> death in there, let kick, chur. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> when, yeah, when, the, the, the headmistress, Mrs. Kirkbright, is uh, convinced that she comes from a very progressive home where she's uh, exposed to all the uh, stimulating horrors of the world in order to... <laughs> develop her art <laughs> yeah like, like, like she's have grown up in frank zappa's uh frank zappa's <laughs> home in california in the 60s yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah although i will will note that moon unit zappa and the rest of them 
Dweezil and, and co have turned out to be seemingly very well adjusted human beings, so they, they haven't ended oh. up like Diabola. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think um, I was thinking about this book and like, I think one of one of the reasons that like I enjoyed it and like I like wanted to reread it is like the fact that it has such like a horrible little girl in it. <laughs> like I think I, I think it would I would have not been interested in it if like it'd been like Angela had been a girl and Diabolo had been a boy. Like, you know. We kind of played into the kind of you know Yeah. Sh- sugar and spice and all things nice and slugs mm. and snails and puppy dog's tails. But actually we get a girl who is slugs and snails and puppy dog's tails, which is kind of unusual and That's true. Yeah. I mean it's like a sort of twisted 90s update of my naughty little sister if you ever read those <laughs> when you were little <laughs> yeah <laughs> like extremely sort of an ex naughty little sister yeah 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 so yeah they're um they, they've emerged they've kind of partitioned off like half of the room now into a cage so that angela and diabola can kind of share a room but uh the, uh, the cage has an enormous blackout curtain that they can lower um, um, to uh, uh, if because um, Diabola hates being ignored so that way they can kind of stop her having a having a tantrum to a certain extent yeah um, I, I like how this book manages to kind of justify and get the reader on side with all of these horrendous childcare techniques that would have social <laughs> services dashing around at an instant <laughs> but because Diabola is constructed as wholly evil you're like yeah yeah lock her in a cage that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's a bit like when at the beginning when they're when they're babies when they're, they're trying to figure out how to feed Diabola and um, and uh, they um without getting food all over everything and um <laughs> says, uh before long decided they had, they had better feed jane outdoors to save cleaning up but that didn't work the neighbors thought they were killing her and called the rspcc when the rspcc arrived in the shape of a nice young woman she took one look at jane and decided cruelty to children might in some cases be justified <laughs> That's a long arm stapler. Oh, nice. Yeah. Just the one arm. A long arm. One one long arm. One long arm. Yeah. The long arm of the stapler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What what did you have in mind? Well, kind of like the infant Diabola's mouth, really, because... Oh, She's described, I guess you can easily picture a like, little gummy baby's mouth, but she's described as having these sort of fang-like teeth as well, which you know, <laughs> bites and clamps onto things when she's little. Um, oh, you know what? Um, uh, Mackie horrified me the other day by showing me the, the picture of a... of a, a mo- What was it? Was it a moray? Like moray like, eel. Yeah. Was it... No, a lamprey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you ever seen a lamprey's mouth? Yeah, I think I have seen photos of a lamprey's mouth. Yeah, I don't know, that's just what it made me think of. Yeah. A horrible moor. A horrible moor, yeah. Yeah. Um. Mm. Mm. Hmm. I'd rather (laughs) like the early stuff with... With her eating and feeding and generally being <laughs> mucky, I, I don't know. I found it quite. It made me think of like Jan Frank Mars Little Otik, which is mm-hmm. 
Shrank Mars film about a, a tree baby, Otasanek, you know, who who eat, ends up eating everything, including its parents. Um, and Shrank Mars uses, I mean, it's, prob- it's probably some kind of pork flesh, sadly. However much I love pigs, I do enjoy Shrank Mars films, but it has a mm-hmm. has a horrible tongue um, and sort of sharp. <laughs> gnashing teeth and gobbles everything up and that is sort of how I was imagining her as a baby yeah <laughs> what about you um I had their 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 twinish language oh as oh a, cool yeah as so all just two texture okay that makes sense yeah yeah which um which they develop um uh, for a while um uh Dobola um insistent only in talking in in Twinish to Angela, who will then translate. Um, um, and uh, well, Angela talks it too, but hers is a, a much uh, nicer version, whereas uh, Diabola's is um, uh, sort of... Well, I'm going to have some examples. Yes. Uh, spitball, gut snuggle, willy slime bag. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and Chunk Piddle Jane is one when uh, she's asking Angela where this is uh, in the next chapter when um, her mother tries to start calling her Jane again. <laughs> Chunk Piddle Jane. <laughs> it was really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Cause there aren't lots of kind of descriptive passages in the book mm. um, so I guess some of the text does come more through the dialogue and the images than in the language yeah um, yeah and I think uh, this book is definitely uh, helped by the illustrations which are which are very good um, yeah they're a bit Quentin Blake like yeah by class Cl- the plunk possibly <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, cl- <laughs> the, yeah, the plank, yeah. Uh, oh, that's the cover illustration. Is that the? Yeah, no, okay, that's the yeah, that's all the illustrations. Well, oddly, on the cover, um, they they look older than they ever get to in the book. Yeah, they do, don't they? Um, yeah, they look taller. So, I think by the end of the book, they're probably about sort of ten, maybe. Mm. Nine or ten, whereas, yeah, on the cover they look like they should be twelve, thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's because things really start to go off the rails when um. Uh, Mister Cuthbertson Jones um, finally snaps. Um, he's um, taking uh taking Diabola to school and um and she's she's being awful as usual um but he uh, he lock, he he loses his temper with her and, and locks her in her cage and um and when she complains that they they always take Angela to school he says Angela deserves to be taken to school and loved and looked after if anything happened to Angela we'd care <laughs> um, <laughs> um, which uh, yeah but after that he's a uh, He's kind of overwhelmed with guilt and anguish, and uh, and leaves, um, um, just uh, clears off. And soon after that, the uh, the the house falls down, um, which um, uh, Mrs. Mrs. C.J. consults the vicar again, and and he uh, he says, "Well, yeah, they um, yeah, the this uh, the physics itself has been <laughs> unbalanced by the phenomenon." Of the twins, you know, kind of without the the goodness of uh, of Mister Cuthbertson Jones to to balance out Diabolo, um, you know, the house couldn't withstand the pressure, and uh, it, was, uh, it fell down. So um, it kind of she's she's sort of getting more 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 sort of supernatural by the day, and kind of less just like a little girl. Um, yeah, it becomes increasingly like the Omen or the Exorcist or something like that. Yeah, she she mentioned she does a there's a point and kind of leaves a mark on her mother's arm and um yeah they uh <laughs> um 
the, uh, the family kind of moved to a to a, to a flat at the top of a, a kind of dingy tower block, um, and they, they kind of put Diabolo out up up on the roof in the rain while the vicar helps get the the flat together. Yeah, it feels um, like they've suddenly been relocated into a Philip Ridley book. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, they're they're in um, um, oh, what's it called? Mercedes Ice now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, but um, but without any um, glittery, fantastical. Mm. Without, um, without the mitigating whimsy, basically. The mitig- mitigating glamour whimsy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just a, just this horrible, horrible damn flat, um, and uh, yeah, uh, Lynn Reed Banks, uh, Lynn Reed Banks has a kind of dig at the dig at the council as as we. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, a dig at the council, local government, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> uh, not caring what happens to these people. Um, yeah, uh, they kind of so they sort of managed to get it kind of habitable with the vicar's help. Um, I mean, not before kind of Diabola jumps on the bed and manages to knock herself out um, <laughs> on the ceiling, but um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a quite, there's a quite upsetting image of her just as she makes impact, I, whacking her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're actually they're still only six at this point, oh, um, gosh, but they're yeah. kind of it's becoming. It's it's saying that they're becoming less and less like ordinary children, like as, and like, like it's sort of accelerating, and like particularly, mm. Diabolo is like growing like bigger and stronger. Like she's always been bigger and stronger than her age anyway, but it's kind of getting faster, um, and kind of when they go to sleep that night, um, Mrs. Cuffers and Jones feels the whole kind of tower block shiver, as if. Um, Diabola might pull the whole thing down. And Diabola, Diabola seems to realise that her powers are growing stronger, right? And ta- yeah, yeah. takes to the roof to try them out on unsuspecting passers-by. Yeah, I mean, before that, there's a, a slightly upsetting bit where, where like, sort of the morning after they've moved in and Mrs. Cuffston-Jones is, is cooking, um, but, like, there's no working light, so she has the the door open and the kind of two sort of drunk intimidating men kind of come into the flat and sort of like trying to take her sausages and stuff and um but uh and Diabola accidentally does a good thing and uh uses her powers on them and kind of bores with her eyes into them that they feel as if they've been shot and then like flee yeah um, it is quite an upsetting sequence like there's a real sense of threat and it is like a little yeah. home, a little home invasion sequence, basically. Mm. Yeah. Like um, it's quite underplayed. Like nothing. They don't end up apart from being really intimidating and unpleasant. They don't end up. You know, they're probably stopped before they could do anything more. But it is. It is quite disturbing that bit. Yeah, I think that there was another bit that that stuck in my stuck in my head. That bit. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Diabella realizes she has these has these powers and kind of and she wants to go to school because she wants to do more of horrible drawings. But um, it's um. They, the where where they're staying now is far away from the school, so she goes and uses her new powers on someone to um, get him to give her her his money. Um, and kind of gets in a taxi to school. Um, and uh, but she um, when she's in her in her drawing lesson that day, she uh, she finally goes too far, uh, even for the even for the headmistress by uh, drawing um, drawing the uh, the tower block on fire with her mother and sister on the roof. Um, I'm not quite sure why this is too much for the headmistress. But, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it's because like she specifically draws her mother and sister on fire. Like before, yeah. I guess it seemed more confined to the imagination. You know, like 
random random person yeah, yeah. in the electric chair or whatever, whereas <laughs> now it seems deliberately targeted towards her mother and sister. Maybe it, it starts actually disturbing yeah. her, I guess. Um, but she, um, uh, she manages to set the piece of paper on fire with her with her mind. Mm. Um, yeah, it goes into kind of uh, Stephen King far-starter territory now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just read the bit at the end of this chapter because it's, uh, it's quite good. Um, Diabola watched the spreading flames for another few moments. Then, quite calmly, she gathered up her art materials and put them into her school bag. She glanced at the picture of the block of flats. It had a hole the size of her fist burnt into the middle of it. But the two little figures on the roof were still there. With the real flame spreading and the smoke half choking her, she quickly stuck her forefingers into the pots of red and orange paint. There was no time to use brushes. She finger-painted big fat flames around the figures. She smeared the red and orange all over them until they disappeared. Then she lifted the picture and threw it onto the blazing floor. <laughs> real flames, paint flames. You can no longer tell which was which. Uh, she she does have the, the spirit of an artist. There are times where you can't, uh, I... can't help but kind of... I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm rooting for her, but, you know, there are times where you, you get it. You get where she's coming from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. She she just needs to have all the art material she could possibly desire and uh, people to bring her food and uh, keep her keep her safe and warm and then she'll be fine <laughs> well she probably basically she basically probably grows up to become the chapman brothers right yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> <laughs> who, who i will say whose whose art is not suitable for work if if you want to explore that reference uh, if you're over 18 you can, and some of it's quite entertaining but uh not really child-friendly. but basically the kind of art that she she would make yeah, <laughs> I was I was wondering if there was a a Francis Bacon reference mm, as well with the yeah. electric chair one. Yeah, that, know, that, that Pope. Did, yeah, some of it does sound quite Francis Bacon like. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, now now she's she's really uh, she she really knows like what power she's got, and meanwhile Angela is like, we need to we need to find Dad, like we need to rebalance this situation. Um, so, um, Di- yeah, Diabola is on the roof, like, practising her powers. Um, uh, she's, like, making car- cars swerve together and people keel over in the street. But she kind of, she realises that Angela has this kind of uh, neutralising effect on her, that, you know, she can't be as bad as she wants to be when Angela's around. And she kind of feels Angela's neutralising presence getting close um, um, coming up the stairs and um, before Angela gets the roof she she asks her mother what her what her first name is and um, she says it's um, Mawaitho perhaps this is what an AI told me is how this name might be pronounced so apologies to any Welsh listeners uh, you, you can um, always you, you can always AI wouldn't lie <laughs> they're not able to yeah <laughs> um, and Angela says, "It means soft. You mustn't be soft, Mummy." Um, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of lot of uh, stuff about names in this book, and um, what 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 names mean, and the the power of using a right name. But um, up on up on the roof, uh, Diabola shows Angela that the people she's stricken, and kind of Angela makes them get up and dance. And Diabola's like, "Next time," but then. When Angela turns her back to, you know, to look at the street, she feels this kind of wave of badness behind her, kind of a moment before Diabola's hands would have reached to push her over the edge. Um, and she sort of ducks out the way, and instead it's Diabola who flips over the edge and Angela hanging onto her wrists. Um, do you want to read that bit, maybe, on page 208? Yeah, sure. Dibo, she got out between her teeth. Stop it! I can't hold you! Diabola didn't answer. She was pressing the soles of her shoes against the wall, trying to climb up. Angela pulled, scraping her wrists more. 
Then her wrists came clear of the rough bricks. She was on her knees now, edging back, pulling, pulling Diabola up. Diabola's face came up slowly over the broken parapet. Their eyes came level. Angela saw Diabola's face change. She saw the terror in it disappear under something stronger. Angela looked into her twin's eyes. She couldn't even see her fear now. All she could see was hate. All she could feel was Diabola's wish to destroy her. Angela used every bit of power she had. She wanted, at that moment, she truly wanted only not to let Diabola go. The feeling of wanting that was so strong she forgot all pain, all fear. She forgot that Diabola had tried to kill her. She held on, she pulled, but suddenly she felt that Diabola was not letting her pull her up. Diabola was pulling back. In that second, Angela knew the awful truth. Diabola was still trying to pull her over. Diabola wanted to, to destroy Angela more than she wanted to save herself. Angela let go. She didn't decide to. It, it just happened. The sheer shock loosened her grip on Diabola's wrists and they slipped through her hands. For an instant, Diabola's face hung there, her eyes wide of disbelief, staring into hers. Then she fell. Down. 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 Like the brick. Down to the pavement, screaming all the way. And then... Splat. Yeah. Yeah, there are, um. there are many kids' books that kill off a small child that, like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Listener, I was quite shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you? You not? You didn't think it would? It would? It would end that way? I didn't think it would go that far. <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So um, the last chapter is called Balance. Um, and when Angela wakes up, she's uh, not the same Angela that she was. And uh, instead of two blue eyes, she has one green eye. And uh, the vicar says to my wife, oh, um, there's no such thing in the world as pure good or pure evil. For a little while, there was no exception, but it only proved the rule. Perhaps that's why it was allowed to happen. Um, Mr. Cuffetts and Jones returns and his name it turns out is Curra, which uh, says it, it's from the Latin to run, but he never lived up to it again. And uh, Angela is renamed Jill. Um, and I'll just read the last passage. Um, and Jill? Well, she was now an ordinary, normal little girl, with good and bad parts mixed up in her. Her parents adored her, and on the whole, she made them happy and proud. But every now and then, she would have flashes of bad temper, and outbursts of bad behaviour, and at these times she developed a squint. Her blue eye would turn inwards and look at her green eye. The green eye would look back at her blue eye and grow slitty and glittery. The two eyes would glare at each other across the top of her nose. Usually the blue eye would get the better of the green eye, but not always, just like the rest of us. Yeah, that so that is uh, Angela and Diabola. Um, it's, in, it, it's interesting to me that we spent a lot more time talking about Diabola than Angela, which maybe it's testimony yeah. to be a law of evil or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she is the star of the book, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, poor Angela is... Uh, not very interesting. I find it quite funny that um, their mother finds it worse um, when there's a sort of a short-lived period where sort of Diabola sort of pretends to be good um, and does a weird yeah. impression of Angela <laughs> and sort of speaks in a kind of cutie pie voice like lisping yeah <laughs> yeah 
She's <laughs> apparently even more unendurable than than her regular <laughs> self. <laughs> yeah, there's also some some kind of sorry amusing bits where um where the the parents kind of get tired of people kind of falling over Angela and they're like. So she's so beautiful and charming and adorable. And they're like, yeah, 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 okay. Anyway. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I could see, I could see why he liked it as a kid. Like, it's quite fascinating. And it does feel faintly transgressive. Like, it must have been quite Mm. exciting to read as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Like maybe maybe that's maybe that's where it's similar to Roald Dahl, this sort of vague feeling that it's a bit illicit on some level. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's kind of I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like nothing. Like Diabola does does so much terrible things, but she's never cast out of the like family environment right? she's they, they just adapt to her until well when the dad runs away but it's kind of i don't know yeah it's kind of oddly comforting in a way oh, i see so as a kid you could be like oh even if i'm as bad as her my parents won't give up on me they have to look after me and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> obviously not not true but yeah <laughs> the comfort and joneses are a, a remarkably long-suffering then <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think it has this kind of ideal of like you know the the parents the parents will always always look after the the child no matter what she inflicts on them. Right? Yeah, that's interesting because that's quite different to Roald Dahl. Whereas we discussed when we were talking about him, you know, a couple of months back, mm. like there's very often just outright abandonment in Roald Dahl. Yeah. I, or, or, or parental figures dying, but really, adults are quite remarkably unreliable in Roald Dahl books. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's interesting that this is a, <laughs> the rare children's book that has two parents in a kind of well, for for most of it, has has two parents who are uh, in a kind of functioning relationship with each other you know um because you know a lot of children's books you have one of the parents will have died or that is true to um to kind of um but um but but yeah it's kind of going in a i don't i'm kind of finding it hard to articulate exactly what i mean but it's kind of it's sort of stretching that parent-child relationship in a different way than yes it's more common in children's books. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely sort of thoroughly uh, spoiled, 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 um, this one, (laughs) Um, Mm. (laughs) plot-wise. But really, it's just, you kind of know the way the plot's going. It's it's more just fun to read on a page-by-page level. There's just quite a lot of, there's a lot of good jokes, really. Yeah, um, yeah, and the kind of enjoyment of seeing how the parents handle Diablo and like the the the, the, the contraptions they rig up to keep her keep her in check and so on. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It's it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a, uh, an artifact from my childhood that I'm glad we uh, glad we got round to to uh, talking about. Yeah, thanks. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm glad. I'm glad I read it. it. You know, it cheered me up. It was a fun read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And uh, thanks to my local charity shop for having it on the bookshelf. So I noticed it and remembered oh. it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, cool. oh, yeah, <laughs> should do that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right, do you want to run the credits? Yeah. So our, um, our intro music is by Maki Yamazaki. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. Our outro's by Joe Kelly. Uh, we have details to their various websites and things in the show notes. Um, you can leave us a review if you want on um, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast thing you use. Um, we like... We like seeing reviews. It's fun. Um, and you can um, email us at stillscapedpodcast at gmail.com or um, follow us on Instagram at stillscapedpodcast and um, you, know, you get a bonus collage for each episode. Oh, I'm excited about <laughs> yeah. the collage for this one. Yeah, yeah. So I'll need to, I'll need to make a collage. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, do you, do you have an outro for us? Oh, I, I, I do. I do. Um, uh, do you have a, a sign-off? Sorry. Well, a, um, a sign-off of sorts. I just say also yeah. follow us on Letterbox. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Creepy kids, because uh, I set off an account on there where I was putting reviews of of the films and the well, the films, not the books, <laughs> and that we've we've discussed um, along with a few others. So it's oh yeah, they're very just, good. Yeah, it's just still scarce. Mm. Still scared. No underscores. No dots. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, oh, and mm. and don't don't obviously lock any small children in in a cage. In I guess unless they unless they are the Antichrist. But okay, it's yeah. very That's unlikely. It's very unlikely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you next time, speaky kids. Bye. Bye.